0: Hello, I'm Pastor Scott Seeky from Amazing Grace Lutheran Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Thank you for downloading this week's sermon. Please visit tisgrace.org to learn more about our church. Enjoy. First off, I I want to introduce you to something. This is my Bible. I don't know if some of you have seen it before, some of you probably haven't, Uh, but this is it. Um, I've had this Bible for about 20 years, and uh, I have other Bibles, but this is mine, which is kind of a funny distinction, but nonetheless, of all the Bibles I have, this is the one that is most mine. It's not the one with the most sentimental value. Uh, My grandmother got me one She's since died, and she wrote her name in it and put a Bible verse on the inside, and it was leather-bound and had my name embossed on the cover. That's probably the, my sentimental favorite Bible. But this is the one that is mine. It is a new, revised, standard version of the Bible. Okay? Now, the, this, is, this means that it is the sequel to the revised standard version, which was the sequel to the standard version. I'm not sure how many different adjectives they can come up with. You know, uh, I'm not sure what the next version will be, but there was, a revi- there was a standard version, and then people revised it, and then they revised it again, and they called it the new revised standard version. This is the one that I got when I went to seminary. It was kind of funny, because when people find out you're going to seminary to be a pastor, they're like, oh, let's get them a gift. What should we get them? <laughs> let's get them a Bible, Right. That's what a pastor needs. A pastor needs a Bible. Nobody ever stops to think maybe the reason you're becoming a pastor is because of the Bible, and you might have a few already. And then you get there, and the first thing they say is, buy a different one. So thanks, guys. Uh, But it's the New Revised Standard Version. This is the version that we use for our readings. Um, It is different from some of the other ones in the sense that the New Revised Standard Version has words that are more accurate to the original Greek and Hebrew, okay? And other versions will be perhaps a little less accurate. The thing about that, though, is that the people that wrote in ancient Greek and ancient Hebrew, they didn't, if you translate it literally, it doesn't look like a sentence. The words are out of order because the grammar is different, right? Everything is different. Uh, The ancient Greek actually had no... Uh, punctuation no spaces between words and no lowercase letters good luck reading that right? so when people translate it they have choices to make am I going to make it more close to the actual words on the page in Greek or am I going to make it easier to read the new revised standard version people decided we're going to make it closer to the words on the page for a version that is more easier to read, uh, I use the New Living Translation, which is pretty good for that. And if you want one that reads like a novel, but gets a whole lot of stuff wrong, that would be The Message, which is a fantastic read, and it's the Bible as a novel, and it's really, really great. Um, And also you can read The Book of God by Walt Wenger, and that's another great one where he just completely goes off the rails, but it's awesome. (laughs) Right? And that's kind of the price you pay. Right? Do you want it to be more accurate, or do you want it to be a better read? I use the New Revised Standard Version for my Bible studies because I'm studying and I want it to be closest to the actual words. This is a study Bible. It's not just the words of the Bible but it has notes in it. So uh, what that means is that it's, I mean, it's got all kinds of stuff. It's got chapter introductions and at the end. It's got maps and it's got an index of words. Uh, the thing I really like about it though is that uh, on each page at the bottom It's got footnotes. The ancient Greek and ancient Hebrew, I don't think footnotes have even been invented yet. I'm not sure when footnotes were invented, but it was later. So what that means is I'm reading along and I see a quote. Like it says, you know, there's a quote from the Bible. It says, as the scriptures say, like we had this last week. It said, as the scriptures say, and then there was a quote from Habakkuk. Well, my Bible will have a little footnote and it'll tell me what that Bible verse is so I can go back and I can flip to it and I can read it. Or if there's a historical place, it'll tell me a little about the place. Or if there's a group of people, it'll tell me a little about the people. It just gives kind of more information and helps me understand what's going on. Uh, That's another reason that I really like this Bible. And uh, the the other reason that I kind of really like it a lot is because it's got something in it called the Apocrypha. Now, the Apocrypha, you know what the Apocrypha, you know what that is. Some of you know what that is. So the deal is that the newest Old Testament story that we have is from about the year 450 BC, okay? That's the most recent one. Jesus, you might know this, was around the year zero, give or take. So that means that that's where the New Testament starts. We've got about roughly 500 years of things that happened that aren't in the Bible, So this has those tacked on. So you get to read stuff. Like, you know, if you you were to just start in the Old Testament and and read it and then read the New Testament in chronological order, you'd be like, who are these Pharisees? Where did they come from? Why are there Romans here? You know, all these little things that you just take for granted. Well, the intertestamental books in the Apocrypha, they kind of help fill that out. So I like having it in there. Um, And I like like the fact that, that I can research that. But I don't treat that the same as the rest of the Bible. The reason for that is because Martin Luther didn't treat it the same as the rest of the Bible. Martin Luther actually removed those books. Those books were in Bibles at the time of Luther. But Luther said, no, no, we're taking these out. So if you buy a Catholic Bible, did anybody grow up Catholic? Anybody grow up Catholic? Yeah, it, did have, it, have, it had books in it, like Maccabees and Tobit and these other books that are not in most Protestant Bibles. They're still in them today. You gotta just, just got to go buy a special Catholic Bible. So if you go to the hotel, you open it up, it's going to be a Protestant Bible. They're not going to be in it, but it's in the Catholic Bible. Luther didn't like those. He said, let's get rid of them. And the reason he didn't like those in specific is because they were not in the ancient Hebrew Bible they were not in the ancient New Testaments but the reason he didn't like that is because at the time of Martin Luther which again was around 1500 give or take he saw that the church had kind of gone off the rails they were just doing stuff that when he read the Bible it didn't match up it didn't fit it didn't make sense it seemed completely different And he read his Bible, and he went, well, wait a minute, this is is the source of our faith, and this doesn't match up. Now, the teaching of the Catholic Church at the time, and again, I mean, they were the Catholic Church because they were the only church, right? The teaching at that time, and in in many ways, the practice today, even though they've they've come around on this. By the way, the Catholic Church has come around on most of the major points of the Reformation. Took them 500 years, but they got there. Uh, So, yay progress, right? Um, But the teaching at the time was that the Bible and church tradition were on the same level. They were equal. And it's a decent enough theory. Because the theory was that the Bible was written and recorded, and it's God's action, and it's God speaking to us at a time, but God continues to speak to us. Well, I believe that. I believe that God continues to speak to us today. And so the position of the church was well, that's tradition, right? That's God speaking to us down through the ages. And I guess the theory is cool, right? And it still kind of comes into practice a lot because that's why you'll never find a Catholic church with, you know, hippies up in front with Birkenstocks playing guitars and, you know, pounding bongos and singing kumbaya. They're not going to change. The liturgy. The Episcopalian church is the same way. Good luck getting an Episcopalian church. To go contemporary worship. They don't do that. Because the tradition of the church. Is the Holy Spirit talking to them. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Which. Okay. Like I get it in theory. That the Holy Spirit speaks down through time. But Luther said. You missed it. You missed some stuff. The church of the church. Went too far. And he said we need to get back. To this as the primary source. Not the only source. Tradition is important, but this is the primary source. So if tradition and the Bible disagree, we go with the Bible. And the Church Times, like, well, I don't know about that one. He was like, no, this is what we have to do. And so he came up with this idea, if you bounce the slides ahead one, this idea that is word alone, right? That is the concept. And it was inspired by our theme verse. For today. Luther believed that. Now it says word alone. That's not really like the nuance of what he meant, but Martin Luther was really good at making really bold statements, so he wasn't going to say, well, you know, it's word primarily, and he was going to make it all nuanced. No, word alone. You know, okay, he's great. And he's got grace alone, and he's got faith alone, he's got five different things like that. But this is one of the core tenets of the Protestant Reformation. It's that All scripture. And that, by the way, is why we didn't have a gospel reading today and why it's okay. Because all scripture is inspired by God. You can find the gospel of Jesus Christ in books that aren't the gospels. It's everywhere in the Bible. No part of the Bible is more important or less important. All of it is inspired by God. All of it is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. By the way, that's the New Living Translation. It's kind of nice, isn't it? Um, just flows better. Luther believed that. And so when we had a question about church tradition, when we had a question about what we should be doing, whether it's in worship or out in the world, he would say, this is the, this is the main source. This is the main thing. If the two disagree, we go with this. And so he felt that that was true, not just of the church, like Big picture with theologians and people wearing pointy hats but with you and you and you and you not just me but all of us and at the time that he came to this conclusion all the Bibles that were written were written in Latin which you had to go to a university to learn this is at the time of the printing press when Writing is finally starting to become something that you know most people could do. Now, a lot of people could read. More people than, than you probably think. But this was when it was really becoming you know common for people to read all kinds of stuff. And Luther believed that the Bible is the primary source of our faith and life for everybody. All of us. And so he took a radical step and he translated it into German. Now, he did that because he was in Germany. If he'd have been here, he would have translated it into English. But he translated it into German. First time it had ever been done, that it was translated into the language of everyday normal people. Because he knew that this statement was true. That God uses the Bible to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. He knew that it was for all of us. It wasn't just for me. I'm not, my job isn't to be the one that reads the Bible and then tells you what it says. All of our job is to read the Bible and figure out what it says. And figure out how it applies to our life. So he did that. And that's why I still have this Bible. And why it's okay that it's got duct tape on it. I mean, I love this Bible. It's fantastic. Now don't get me wrong. You know, if it blew up in a, you know, bizarre accident or something, I'd be sad for about 15 minutes and I'd go and get another one. It's not like, you know, I've got this big emotional attachment to it. But... This thing has been read. You know, and some people get uncomfortable with the idea of a Bible that's kind of torn up a little bit. And look, It's not like I tried to mess it up, you know what I mean? I, I didn't, it's not like I'm using it for a coaster. Um, but, this Bible has lived its purpose. This is the purpose of your Bibles at home. They don't exist to sit on a shelf. They don't ex- exist to look pretty. They don't exist to be Sanctified and blessed and treated as relics. They exist to be read. To be read by you. To be read by you to others. To be read by others to you. They exist for us to read God's word. To learn what is true. To make us realize what is wrong in our lives. To be corrected, taught what is right, and to be prepared and equipped To do every good work. In other words, this is the best tool we have to grow in love and love by serving. Use it. God loves you. So do I. Amen.